This is Karin Zacesevea COA Online. Jair Bolsonaro drew a lot of criticism for visiting Moscow and meeting with Vladimir Putin as global tensions were rising just a week before Russia invaded Ukraine. Why would the Brazilian president take such a questionable step? Well, one big reason was fertilizers. Brazil imports a huge portion of its fertilizers from Russia, and before the Ukraine crisis was even underway, the Latin American country, like much of the region, was already seeing inflation pushing up food costs. And that's bad news for a sitting president seeking re-election. Brazilians are very practical when they vote. They don't really care about the left. They don't care about the right. They don't care about political parties. They care about the price of beans. Why has the price of beans gone up so much? That's the Wall Street Journal Sao Paulo correspondent Samantha Pearson speaking with my colleague Chase Harrison. In this episode, they cover an economic domino effect set off by the pandemic and sped up by the Ukraine crisis as Latin America generally and Brazil specifically reel from rising fuel and food prices. But first, I want to mention that the music in this episode is Jamili Estavi and Saul Cosmi performing Menino das Laranjas. You can get their full recording for America Society at the YouTube link in the description. Visit musicoftheamericas.org to learn more about upcoming concerts online. You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latino America in Foco. America Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the Latin America in Focus podcast. Thanks very much for having me. We're about two weeks out from Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and there have been a multitude of effects, from humanitarian to geopolitical and even economically. You have Russia, one of the biggest economies in the world, being heavily sanctioned. Trade is obviously hampered throughout Eastern Europe, and the Ukrainian economy is paralyzed. And the reverberations of that are being felt worldwide, including in Latin America. You wrote a piece recently for the Wall Street Journal where you zero in on one piece of that economic effect, which is the fertilizer trade. And I thought we would start there as a case study of how these economic effects of the Russian invasion of Ukraine are being felt. Could you tell me a little bit about what is going on with fertilizer in Latin America right now? Sure. Fertilizers sounds like a small issue, right? But it's a huge problem, a huge problem in Brazil, a huge problem in Latin America. Brazil is the major agricultural superpower that relies on imported fertilizers. So it imports about 85% of its fertilizers, a fifth of that comes from Russia. So it's heavily dependent on Russian fertilizers. And that is important for Brazil, but it's also important for the world because Brazil is a major agricultural supplier. So it is the biggest producer of sugar, the biggest producer of 
coffee, of soybeans, one of the biggest producers of corn, of beef. So if farmers are paying more for their fertilizer, they're going to be producing at a higher cost. And that cost is essentially going to be passed on to consumers, which means higher inflation in Brazil, but also higher inflation in the US and elsewhere. So it's bad news, bad news for everyone. And just to be clear, right now, is Brazil unable to import Russian fertilizer or is there some other reason the market has been disrupted? So getting hold of fertilizer even before the conflict happened was difficult. Fertilizer was in short supply globally for a number of reasons. The US was having problems producing because of Hurricane Ida. China had power shortage problems, so they had reduced production. Also, the higher energy costs because of the pandemic had increased the cost of producing ammonia, which then increases the cost of nitrate. Fertilizer Russia had also foreseen the the shortening of supply and then had decreased exports in order to secure domestic supply of fertilizers. So Brazil was having a hard time getting fertilizers anyway. And then when the conflict broke out, um, that caused problems simply because of shipments were being interrupted by the conflict. But also now Russia is basically banning exports of, of fertilizers in order to protect the domestic market, but also now as an act of retaliation as such against the US banning um, imports of Russian oil. So Brazil is in, a, in, is in a very, very difficult place right now. There was definitely some foresight that there would be this big supply disruption And one of the ways that I saw it manifest was that Brazilian President Bolsonaro actually went to Russia on February 16th, about a week before the invasion. And fertilizer was on the agenda there, right? Precisely. That was one of the main reasons that he went to Russia. He was, as you say, he was there a week before Russia invaded Ukraine. He was very heavily criticized by the opposition here in Brazil for doing that. Criticized by the US as well, who said that Brazil should be promoting democratic values more forcefully. Um, But Bolsonaro decided that it was in Brazil's best interest to make that trip. And and that really, I think, shows you how important fertilizers is for the country. Because if you think about it, it's important in two ways. Firstly, Bolsonaro, a right-wing leader in Brazil, he, he has a huge base of farmers, rural support in Brazil. So it's important in that regard as well. But he knows the impact, right? Brazil é Brazil, Rússia é Rússia, faço... So he knows that if farmers are paying more for fertilizer, if food prices are going up in Brazil, that affects poor families in Brazil. And we have an election coming up in October. And he knows that, as anywhere, you know, higher food prices is a huge election issue. Brazilians are very practical when they vote. They don't really care about the left. They don't care about the right. They don't care about political parties. They care about the price of beans. Why has the price of beans gone up so much? And they vote on those issues, and Bolsonaro knows that. So that's one of the main issues that he went to talk to Putin about. He also wanted to talk about beef, but Russia is a huge buyer of Brazilian beef, and there have been issues recently with bans because of fears over mad cow disease, etc., etc. So he went with these two very practical issues on the table. Um, He came back saying that um, everything was going to be fine and that Putin um, was a peaceful man, and obviously... That hasn't gone well for Bolsonaro. You know, he 
A lot of people say he looks like a fool now. His strongest supporters even said that Bolsonaro had brought world peace because when Bolsonaro visited Putin, that was a time when Putin seemed to be withdrawing some of the troops from the border and Bolsonaro claimed that that was progress on the world stage. Um, and now that all looks very ridiculous and, and tragic. Yeah, Bolsonaro had a quote I saw where he said, the best defense against price spikes essentially is world peace. And he has notably remained neutral in this conflict. He said he's on the side of world peace, but otherwise won't stand with either Russia or Ukraine. In your piece, you noted that domestically, there's sort of these two minds about fertilizer and how quickly the effect of this um, shortage will be felt that there's one line that Brazil has a stockpile or has enough alternative sources to withstand this shock for a bit, and another mind that that is actually not true and that this will really be felt soon. How do you adjudicate that dispute? Yes, well, the first opinion is coming, is the official opinion coming from the government, and the second is coming from the farmers. So I tend to believe the farmers um, who say that, in fact, we've only got a few months left of supplies. Now, Brazil is responding, as Brazil often does, uh, short-term measures, you know, Brazilians are not great for, for long-term planning sometimes. Um, but in this case, so one of the short-term measures they're doing is basically they're going to try to do more with less. So more planting, more farming with less fertilizer. So Embrapa, which is Brazil's very well-respected research agency in agriculture, they're going to do some, basically an expedition into Brazil's rural areas and they're going to educate farmers on how to use fertilizer more efficiently. So for example, one of the ways you can do that is teaching farmers how to do soil analysis before putting fertilizer down so instead of just kind of spreading fertilizer everywhere and hoping that helps um does that piece of land really need fertilizer so we've spoken to farmers as well who are going to be doing these kind of crazy calculations in their heads you know if we've got a certain amount of fertilizer is it better to spend it or use it on crops that are going to make me more money and which crops are those there's a lot of kind of calculations going on at the moment short term long term brazil has said that it is working on a on a, on a fertilizer national plan um, but it's going to take a long time for that to take effect. And even when it does, um, it's not going to make a huge difference. The government has said that they are planning to de- decrease their dependence on fertilizer by 10% on, on imported fertilizer by 10%. So it's not going to make a huge difference. Um, in the meantime, they're just trying to find other suppliers. So the Minister of Agriculture is going to Canada to see if she can get supplies from there for the time being. Hmm. You're sitting right now in Sao Paulo. Are people feeling when they go to the corner store or the supermarket the effect of this already? You know, this is coming at a time where even before um, the crisis in Ukraine, food prices in Brazil were already up 20, 30 percent for consumer products. And fertilizer, as you mentioned at the top, touches a lot of these goods. What is being felt on the ground? It's a really, really important point. I think sometimes when we talk about food price inflation, we lose sight of what we're actually talking about, why it matters. And why it matters is because in places like Brazil and developing countries, it often means that people can't afford to eat. And as you say, global food prices were at a record high even before the conflict broke. You know, Brazilians are suffering and we've seen this um, up close. So we visited favelas here in Sao Paulo and it's devastating it's it's heartbreaking to watch it up close so you have you have single mothers desperately trying to feed their their children and imagine what it's like you know 
you see that your child is getting sick. You know that your child is getting sick because they're not eating the right things and you can't afford to give them any more than a spoonful of rice or a handful of rice each, each evening. Sometimes mothers are going to bed hungry because then they can give their food, they, their, their children food the next day. Um, so, I mean, these are real, real problems. And it comes at a time when Brazil is experiencing widespread inflation. So we're not just talking about food prices. We're talking about energy prices. A lot of people can't afford cooking gas anymore. So they have to make these crazy calculations. So they either buy cooking gas, but then they can't, uh, they can't afford the food to, to cook or they buy the meat, but then they can't afford the gas to cook it on. Some people have even resorted to cooking on open fires. And then that brings the problem of, um, you know, respiratory problems and also the risk of fire burns um so it's really it's a it's um it's a really difficult situation here in brazil yeah it's upsetting to hear about and you noted that there's just so many complex factors almost this perfect storm of macroeconomic conditions how are average consumers or farmers interpreting these conditions politically are we going to see this get blamed on bolsonaro on congress just on the global craziness that's happening right now, how are people navigating this personally? I mean, it, it depends on who you are a little bit, but I, I mean, before the conflict broke, people tend to always blame the person that's in power, regardless of what's happening. And it, you'll find that, you know, the most poorest families who sometimes don't have access to all the right information, they'll blame the, the person that's in power. And Bolsonaro knows that. And that's why he's really doing everything he can um, to change that. Now, there are some more sinister things going on um, in that sense in Brazil. Um, Bolsonaro has seen opportunity here as well um, because he has been desperately trying to push through legislation to increase mining in indigenous lands in the Amazon rainforest. Now he's arguing that potassium chlorate in the Amazon, which is a, a you know can be used for fertilizers, that there's huge reserves there in the Amazon in indigenous lands. So he's trying to use this to put pressure on legislators to pass his bill to allow or to, to ease uh, mining in indigenous lands. And of course, that's not true. As you know, I mean, a small percentage of fertilizers are located in indigenous lands in the Amazon, but um, the truth sometimes doesn't matter in politics. So um, it's, a, it's a very difficult, difficult scenario we're in right now. I wanted to zoom out a little bit to better understand how this piece of recent economic history fits into the larger scale by asking about Russia and Brazil's trade relationship, is this a new relationship? Was Bolsonaro's visit to try to bring these two countries closer together? Or are we talking about two long-term trading partners and buddies on the international stage? It's complicated. Brazil and Russia have been getting closer over the past few years. And that approximation predates Bolsonaro. So if you remember in 2009, we had the birth of the BRICS, B and the R were Brazil and Russia. So they did work together more closely. And that was, you know, that occurred when Lula was still president. Lula, who is the leftist former leader, who will probably be president again in October. And he is the political rival of Bolsonaro. So it's something that goes beyond political parties in Brazil. And there's a reason for that. You know, Russia is one of the largest buyers instead of, of beef and pork from Brazil. There's also some cultural links. So Brazil has a film festival in Russia every year. The Russians help train Brazilian ballet dancers. Um, so they they are forging this relationship. And I mean, there is 
there is a fair amount of anti-American sentiment still in Brazil, and sometimes that works in Russia's favor. You know, it's been a while since I've heard Brazilians um, criticizing the U.S., but I think that the Russia-Ukraine conflict has brought that up again. Um, so sometimes that benefits that benefits Russia as well. Hmm. So a lot of ties between these countries. You brought up beef in your last answer, and to pivot a bit away from fertilizer. What are some of the other products that you're monitoring to see the effects of the Ukraine crisis on the Latin American economy as a whole? What are you watching? One other thing we're really watching is oil, um, because as you know, Biden is burning Russian oil, and we need they we we need oil from somewhere else. Um, the West is now struggling to find alternatives, or even talking to Venezuela about possible supplies. Now, Brazil, in theory, offers some sort of a solution. Brazil is a huge supplier of oil. It's one of the world's top 10 producers. It produces about 3 million barrels a day. Um, That's equivalent to almost a quarter of Russian production. So it's a big chunk of global production. Um, So in theory, Brazil could help. But there are two main problems getting in the way. One of them is geographical. One of them is the fact that Brazil has huge reserves of oil but they're offshore they're buried miles beneath the seabed under a huge slab of rock of uh, of salt it's very difficult to get to them it takes a long time takes a lot of money and the other big problem is politicians in brazil um in the past uh leftist politicians but also the right have put pressure on um petrobras to essentially subsidize domestic fuel prices so that has crippled the company in the past. Um, and with Lula potentially coming back as president in the elections this year, people are worried that, again, this could happen again. This could cripple Petrobras to the point that it can't invest what it needs to increase production and then fill this global gap that would otherwise be an opportunity. So we're seeing this We're seeing this in Norway. We're also seeing this in, in agriculture, right? I mean, in theory, Brazil could be stepping up producing more wheat, which is something that the U- Ukraine produces. But again, then it's got a problem with fertilizers. So there's always a bat lurking around the corner. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like this puts Brazil in a tricky position to take advantage of maybe some of the economic opportunities here. Do you expect Brazil to receive outreach from a country like the United States, Canada, maybe the European Union to try to help it resolve these problems and produce the goods that the global market is in need of right now? I mean, in, in theory, I think there would be demand, for example, if Brazil held an, a new oil auction for those very reasons. The problem is that the oil market works in a slow way, right? People are investing because they're trying to look at 10 years into the future. You know, we, we're not sure exactly what, how long live this conflict is going to be, what are, what are the effects going to be. So it's difficult to make those investment decisions like that. You noted, too, that there's all this instability right now with Prices, we're seeing gas prices worldwide spike, um, something that in the past Brazil has seen enormous protests and shutdowns of the country's economy when prices get too high. How have institutions like Brazil's central bank responded to these price shocks? Are they being proactive or you know, are they kind of stuck right now because of where inflation's at, which is expected to be about 10% regionally in Latin America this year? Precisely. So Brazil's inflation rate is already above 10%. So it's already double digits. Now, we've 
gone through a roller coaster really in Brazil here during the pandemic because Brazil's government was one of the most generous governments within emerging markets in terms of giving handouts to the poor that stimulated the economy. Brazil's central bank reduced interest rates down to 2%, which is super low for Brazil. They're now at 11% a year later, almost 11%. Um, So it's been a huge kind of adjustment process. Now, what's made it more difficult is that Brazil's central bank was made formally independent during this process. So it's also kind of under this domestic political pressure as well now, because, you know, you you make the central bank independent and it misses inflation targets. So it's now under pressure for that as well. But yeah, it's been a huge adjustment in Brazil. The economy is expected to grow less than 1% this year. So in theory, higher commodity prices because of the conflict should be good, right? They should be good for Latin America. They should be good for Brazil. And there is some expectation there that perhaps it will strengthen the Brazilian real. Perhaps it will help growth. But on the other hand, we have inflation. Higher inflation, inflation is already a big problem in Brazil. Historically, Brazil has had big problems with inflation in the past. In the 1980s and 1990s, Brazil suffered hyperinflation, and that has left a legacy um, and makes it harder today to fight inflation. So higher prices are more dangerous in Brazil because of things like indexation, which is when you link one thing to another. So the cost, if the cost of oil goes up, then the cost of rent goes up, and then people get higher wages and then spiraling out of control. You know, that's that's the fear. Yeah, it's this real economic domino effect. And of course, what pushed all the dominoes at first economically was the COVID-19 pandemic. It was economically devastating for the region. I mean, I think GDP dropped in 2027%. And now countries are are trying to get that recovery. They're using all their fiscal space. And now they're they're faced with this quagmire where all of these interlocking factors are are becoming even tougher to untangle with the crisis in Ukraine. Do you think this is going to stymie the economic recovery of the region? I mean, already the IMF, even before Ukraine, downgraded what it thought growth would be in 2022 from 3% to just below 2.5%. Is growth going to go down further this year? Well, I mean, there is there is a little bit of optimism. Optimism, it's a horrible word to use when we're talking about conflict, but optimism in terms of the economy because of higher commodity prices but inflation is really the big the big problem here um and it feels like there is there is some sort of a parallel right we went through the pandemic which was a horrific a horrific two years it's still going on uh, brazil lost more than 600,000 people and really people's attention was on that was on protecting their loved ones was on surviving you know and finally we get through the pandemic to a point where you can breathe a little easily and then inflation bam hits hits the poorest families in brazil and they can't afford to eat and then comes along the conflict in the ukraine and russia and now we're seeing again we're seeing the economic fallout of that and it just seems like there isn't there's going to be no end <laughs> another factor that's been quite devastating globally is the hefty amount of sanctions that are being placed on Russia. Not only did the EU and the US coordinate Russia getting cut off from global financial systems, but we're starting to see countries cut off Russian products. You know, the US cut off oil. Um, How is this affecting Brazil, all of Latin America? Is the effect even across the region when it comes to how the sanctions are echoing into the markets? Well, I mean, Brazil is 
more dependent, for example, on fertilizers than its neighbors, Peru. If you, if you look at Russian exports of fertilizers, Brazil buys about 21%. Um, Peru buys 2%, which doesn't sound like very much, but Peru is a small country. Uh, in comparison, the US buys about 9%. So Brazil is more exposed in that way. Um, Peru to extent, Colombia as well. Um, the the higher cost of energy is also going to feed into energy inflation in Brazil. Before the conflict broke out, Brazil was also suffering from a drought, which then pushed up the cost of energy because Brazil normally relies on hydroelectric power and it had to switch to more expensive thermal plants. So I feel like Brazil is more exposed um, than some of its neighbors in that way. Samantha, what? indicators or what events will you be watching for in the next couple months to get the most insight on how this crisis in Ukraine will be impacting the region? Well, I think inflation is such an important factor. So we will be watching that, especially in Brazil. But I also think politically, so we'll be watching the polls in Brazil, you know, in in the election in in October, it's likely to be a runoff between the current president, Bolsonaro, and the Workers' Party, Lula. And that's going to have a huge impact on how Brazil moves forward. So if there is, for example, going to be a long-term opportunity to supply more oil to the international market, to the U.S., um, who is going to be sitting in a presidential palace in Brazil will make a big difference in that sense. So I would say the polls and inflation data. Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the Latin America in Focus podcast. You gave us a lot to chew on and a lot to keep our eyes on in the next couple months. Thanks very much. Nice to be here. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Karin Zissis. This podcast was produced by Luisa Lemmy. Check the podcast notes for a link to Samantha Pearson's coverage of Brazil's fertilizer woes. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can help us spread the word. Give us five stars, write a review, share, and subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Que eu ainda dou uma de quebrar, doutor